Hey listeners, this is Marsha Epstein, and I am at the dining room table to record Talk With Me with a guest in person, which is always the most wonderful experience. And it is already August 6, 2018. Wow, wow, wow. Um, it's going to be a beautiful warm day in Lawrence, Kansas. So if it's beautiful wherever you are, find the beauty wherever you are. I want to just launch right into this conversation because my guest and I have already spent time talking and there's so much to talk about and it's going to be wonderful. And so I just want to say briefly, my guest is Denise Lowe. Um, she is currently based in Lawrence, Kansas. Denise is a writer of so many magical things, poetry and others. And New stuff is coming out, new opportunities to hear her. As I will always say, buy the books, buy them as locally as possible. And sometimes you need to buy two copies because as I was getting ready to meet with Denise, I was thinking, oh, X person has this book and X person has that book and I need to either round them up or buy more copies. <laughs> so Denise, I'm so excited we get to do this together and share some of it. We won't share everything we've been talking about, but we'll share some. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me, Marsha. You're always such a good host. Your coffee is terrific. And, you know, please excuse my slurps, but this is uh, a good cup of coffee. All right. We'll get me into your dining room anyway. Okay. So thanks. And yes, so here, coffee brewed at home can be so delicious. And then that money that you didn't spend at that coffee yes. shop, not, I mean, I love local coffee shops. So I'm not going there, right, but right. those chains, instead of spending it there, buy poetry. <laughs> yes, yes. Take the pledge. I, I have a, my private pledge to myself that mm -hmm. once a month I will buy a book of poetry right. from an independent bookstore. Nice. And I, uh, it's best if I don't know the poet. Oh, even better. Yes. And last month I bought uh, at Kramer Books in D.C. Of course, usually I go to the Raven in Lawrence, which I adore. Uh -huh. um, but I bought a book by Janet Gross, who I had no idea who she was. And I loved it. And I on my blog, if you Google Denise Lowe blog, I have a review of that book I bought. It's a 2016 book. And uh, just knocked my socks off. I just right. really enjoyed how she put words together. Yeah, great. And that's how I get so excited. Um, you know, when I retired I, from Haskell, Indian Nations University, or finished my employment there, I'm not really <laughs> retired, because um, I'm teaching for Baker University now. Oh, um, but I did... Um, think, well, now I can devote myself to prose because I have more time. Um, but I found after a month how much I really love poetry. It still excites me. I uh -huh. still find po new poets, what they're doing. It just is like, oh, goody, let me go into the candy store. Uh -huh. And the like the poetry section of The Raven is fabulous. Yes. And once a month, I will go in and pick out a book and buy it. Yes, that's wonderful. And if yeah. 10 people did that, yeah. Um, the part also part of my literary citizenship, my poetry civics lesson is to go to the public library and order copies of books 
of poetry that I uh, like and for poet friends. And uh, this month I did Leah Sewell, her book from uh, Woodley Press in Topeka, uh, published, I believe, in 2017. She has a new book out. And it's uh, she's a wonderful poet who just moved to Lawrence from Topeka. Nice. And she works in the public library. Ah, so she she can't go, you know, put her in that she wants to order her own book. Uh (laughs) So uh, many of us have scruples about ordering our own stuff. (laughs) So that's another piece of literary citizenship we can enact. That's a great reminder. I don't think about that part of asking the the public library to say, "Hey, you need to add this to your collection." That's it costs idea. nothing. Yeah, and hopefully they follow through with a lot of those. Yeah, and another kind of random related to writers and and buying books. So, as you and I were talking about off air, Danny Kane, who's the owner of the Raven Bookstore these days, or as I say, the caretaker, because I think about this handoff from Pat Kenny and Mary Lou Rice to Heidi Rock and now to Danny and this wonderful thing that continues to evolve. Well, Danny has these poems and actually they're getting ready to be published that are about these fast food restaurants, right? These chain restaurants. And so I was looking at one of those and, and they're being published currently by Hobart, which is a literary journal online. So the first one, the first time I noticed that Danny had a poem on there, I was reading the poem and then I was looking at, well, what else is in this journal, this edition of the uh-huh, October? Uh-huh. And I was kind of, I will just admit, I was scanning for names that, and I know this is really going to sound stupid, but that didn't look like obviously men names. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. Okay. I did that. Well, so I find this article by this woman named Emma Smith Stevens that's about her new book called The Australian. And the writing piece, it's not an excerpt from the book. It's a conversation, an email or text conversation mm-hmm. between her and an Australian man who found a copy of her book in the oh, rain, yeah. read it and related to it. So it's this delightful piece of writing oh. between the author and somebody oh. who related to her book. And so I'm looking like, who is this Emma Smith Stevens? I got to get to meet her. And so we connected by email. I sense ordered the book through uh-huh, Raven. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and at some point when, when Emma, her, her health is not really great, um, a chronic condition, but it's, as it gets better managed, we're going to do a show. But it's like, okay, so looking for Danny's work brought uh-huh. me to Emma also to buy the book from Danny's store. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> so do these things. That's wonderful. I, I love the connections. I You know, like these are difficult times politically. Yes. And I think that has brought us to appreciate our local stores, yes. our, our local sources of information, yes. our, our freedom of speech in, in print and on the air like this radio. Um, one of the wonderful things that Danny is partnering uh, to do is to connect with the restaurant 715 to do coaster poems. Oh, yes. And they have, the 715 already has done coaster artists. I didn't know that. Oh, they're beautiful. And and every time I go there, I have to confess, I collect mine like Uh baseball cards. Uh Um, But each artist has an image and on the back is their contact, you know, basically their business card. 
Um, they are really beautiful. And instead of just putting 715 and a basil leaf or something, he uh, uses that space to uh, for the coaster. And then uh, this next project is to put a very small poem about food uh -huh. on the coaster. Uh -huh. And then the poet's brief biography on the flip side. Yes. Cool. Isn't that wonderful? That is really cool. And and then, I mean, and actually 715 is one of the few restaurants that I say, if we're going to go spend money to restaurant, yes, I like 715 a lot. <laughs> I <laughs> yes. like 715. I, it's I local, locally it's sourced. Oh, yeah. Good yeah. stuff. And, and that gets swings back to me to also, so when you go into the Raven bookstore, right, there's what looks like maybe a gum machine. But instead of oh, yes. a gum machine, yes. it's poetry. And the cost of getting that little plastic container with the poem mm -hmm. is a donation to whatever is their current charity. And in fact, during Lawrence's huge downtown Lawrence sidewalk sale, they had poems, poets locally, Yes. Danny was one of, I think, six or so. Jim McCrary and Megan Kaminsky, I don't remember all the names, but they wrote poems for um, on the spot for $5 that goes to that racist organization, R-A-I-C-E-S, that does legal um, oh. protection, legal advising, legal assistance for those people who have been detained as immigrants coming into our country mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. was that was the beneficiary of the poems the instant poems poems on the spot on july 19th so there's all kinds of cool stuff in lawrence kansas and we say that out loud not just because our listeners are only in this area but where you are make this shit happen <laughs> yes. oh man you used one of those words um and let me say just one more tangent here but this is a wonderful conversation about how all these little gears and ratchets and they all you know they all work together um my husband tom weso and i are going up to door county to a writer's residency at right on door county on judville road and lo and behold um heidi rock former yes. owner of the raven and Stefan uh, Anderson's story are putting together a yardstick um, bookstore in Algoma, yes, uh, Wisconsin. And Tom and I both will be doing a pop-up event there September 11th. Oh, cool. Uh, they don't quite have the store open, but they are doing the refurbishing. And so they are having pop-up events in the... I hope it's the space that yes. has, doesn't have open studs or something. But, uh -huh. um, I think it will be just wonderful. It'll be yes. wonderful to see Heidi in her new yes. incarnation. And yes. Also. yes, 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 yes. Wonderful so photographer. Algoma is just like at the southern edge, just a yes. little bit across the Door County line. Um, and the writer's residence, because last year, you were out there. Rhonda Miller was out yes, there. Kyle yes. and I went up there to kayak. We didn't know, oh, but you know. Oh. And Algoma is actually where we stayed. So when oh, we heard that Yardstick oh, oh. would be opening, it's like, oh, well, we will definitely be going up there again anyway. So cool. Yes, yes. There's this odd, you know, Lawrence uh, Door County connection. Yes. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, but we, we, it's just wonderful to get older and have all of these layers of connection. Yes, yes, that's what it's about it's about yeah. well let's talk about some of the most current projects that you have in addition to you're going to be in algoma 
but in terms of writing that you're doing and writing that you're sharing with the world, that's that's stuff that we want to make sure people know about. And we'll be talking about all kinds of things, but I don't want to miss the opportunity to highlight that. Uh, thank too. you so much. Um, I uh, really feel like I keep learning how to write. And that's the wonderful thing about being a writer is, is you can always do better. And this book of poetry, Shadow Light, which, uh, again, Red Mountain Press has been so good to me. This is my third book with them. And they awarded this the Editor's Choice Award. Uh, and, you know, I just don't submit to prizes. Uh, very Just a f the free ones, you know, a few I never win. Maybe I come in second or third, uh, and that's kind of it. But, you know, I haven't won awards, and this is a big deal for me. It, uh -huh. I just sat down and cried when uh -huh. I saw this. Um, so this book is officially... Um, published August 12th, and I will be in Santa Fe at Collected Works uh, for the um, presentation of the book. Uh, I'm very honored that Jeanetta Calhoun Mish, who also is yes. Delaware Indian, yeah. and I have that heritage, she is my sister. She will um, introduce me, we'll have a conversation at Collected Works 11 in the morning. And they broadcast this on their community radio, and so it'll be available as a podcast on their website. Uh, Journey Santa Fe is the uh, name of the organization sponsoring this, and it will be at Collected Works Sunday, August 12th. Cool. And I'm very excited. Yes. Lisa Bickford will also read. And I'm hoping Susan Gardner will read something. The uh, publishers, Linda Bigford, Lisa Bigford is uh, going to be working with Red Mountain Press. And, um, and then, of course, Devin Ross. These are all good people. The people who do independent presses, uh -huh. that is a special calling. Yes, 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 yes. So I'm excited to have this book come yes. out. It's it's about optics, how you see things, cool. and that works on a physical level. I'm I've always been interested in just what we how we are hardwired and how that uh, influences what soft wiring could go on. Um, how our memories float around and how they act and act on us to yeah. see things and yeah. not see things. So, um, you know, let, let me read something from it. And, wow. and it's maybe one of my favorite things because it's, um, it, it, it's about an event where my husband and I saw something on Avalon road early 5.30 one summer morning that we could never find a category in which to put it except Bigfoot. Wow. Okay. And, you know, I'm not saying I saw this. I'm just saying my husband and I simultaneously saw something, and it was like nothing we had ever seen before. Optics. Maybe I glimpse Bigfoot, a Hulk blur across Avalon Road, not bear, not feline, not wolf, twitch in a liminal spectrum. My husband sees it with me. 
Little people of the forest live in caves, Ireland to Greenland, Vinland to the Ozarks. Dear, avoid them. My toddler stares at a hovering light globe. He calls it angel. Dark mist hovers around a man with cirrhosis. I see that. Faint melody of my dead sister's violin weeps across all these sequences. Benny Smith teaches me to glance oblique at sun in Cherokee Kaluga. Its four trails firebrand my eyes. It's beautiful. So, and and I, I there's so many things that catch me, but one I need to say, Benny Smith. Oh, Benny Smith was oh. at the Haskell Indian Nations University. I got to know him because of my work with suicide bereavement, and I went and spent some time with him. To, to learn from him about some of the different Native tribes' traditions around mm-hmm, suicide and mm-hmm. death, you know? And, and so it's like, oh, Benny Smith. Yeah, oh, a big wado to him. And we have been so blessed to have him work with students at Haskell to be part and to reach out to the community. And I'm blessed to have met his brother, Croslin. <sighs> and uh, they have just been... Um, lights in this world yes 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 and the orb okay so i can't tell you how many people who in my bereavement work will talk about sightings of orbs or orbs that appear in photographs Mm -hmm. after the death of a loved one so that in your palms like wow things that just that that you know i have lost my sister and both my parents of course all my grandparents some friends, um, and these people, you know, many in-laws, my mother-in-law died this April. These people do not go away. They, they remain. Um, so let, let me, and, and, you know, sometimes I feel bad. I didn't have the chance to thank someone when they were alive, but I thank him now. And, mm-hmm. and I think it reaches there to them, wherever they are. Um, for example, here's a poem I wrote in honor of my uncle, Robert Dodson. And when I was a troubled 19 year old, my parents sent me to his household in Tennessee in hopes he could straighten me out or something. <laughs> I'm not sure what the project was. I lasted a week. But he he was very good to me. And at the time, I was not able to express appreciation, nor did I understand what he did for me. But what he did is he took me out to one of the most um, revered Cherokee mounds. and. You know, like he had, you know, that side of the family had some Cherokee heritage. There were some traditions that just unconscious, you know, he took me there and said, this is an important place. And um, it was flooded a few years later. You could never go there now. Wow. So this is 
another kind of optics, what you what is below water. And of course, in Clinton, Perry, we have whole submerged mm-hmm. towns around here. This is called Chota, Overhill Town. Uncle loved the little Tennessee. He took me there to see Chota in a floodplain of cornfields. The mound rose eight feet. We stood silent a moment. He told me how elders traveled from Oklahoma each year for prayers. I remember that. As we talked, a tan snail shell appeared in dirt, a spiral sent from those below. I carried it with me for years. Sun burned steam trails before the government took Chota, Tanasi, Tomatli, Toqua, Sitako, Chilawi, Taliqua, Talasi. Bulldozers excavated all mounds. They split open Chota town. Skeletons went to research bins. Artifacts were tagged and filed. In a letter, Cousin Robert writes, You remember Chota, Cherokee place of pilgrimage, stolen land? They flooded it. Ketua people still pray near Chota. Their overhill fire burns all these years. A flame carried west to Tahlequah in Oklahoma. I have breathed that smoke for this Wado. Beautiful. And how is these connections? So this group, this national group that Beth Schultz introduced me to years ago, the U.S. Department of Arts and Culture, one of their toolkits is around recognizing and gratitude for the natives who owned these lands before whatever specific place, you know? So it gives some ideas about using art to create events and awareness for people to be encouraged to value the lands and the history and the native people who took care of this land way before what's happening now. That is a very good point, and it makes me realize I have been, I've had poor manners because one of the things that um, people might do is to acknowledge where we are and the Native people who were here, and I will acknowledge that we are on land that was Shawnee, south of the Kansas River was Shawnee, north of the Kansas River was um, occupied and beloved by Delaware people. Um, And before that, of course, there were uh, Kansas and many river peoples who lived in this area. So, um, yeah, Wanishi to my Shawnee relatives and uh, Wanishi to the north of Lawrence. And I hope all of us take a moment and just think about who was in this land and how those histories, history is not over. It it is not in the past. It is always with us. Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of what this book is about, is the continuity uh, from the past and how it keeps inflecting in the present. Uh Um, Let me read another one about just how to see and then how do you deal with, you know, you can't carry all the past with you and you do have to 
focus on you know what where we are now is now and to you know drop off uh, anything that clouds that clarity of perception. So this is about again I, I am um, obligated to Benny Smith for his help with understanding the color green. Green again. Our primate icons absorb blues, greens, reds. Sight range less than pigeons. My love, your eyes taste of willow groves, not mangoes. Pond water pools in my mouth. The Cherokee word is itsi usti, make green, renew oneself. Usti, young one. We plant seeds, jade maize emerges, the child in my belly dreams green. Underfoot, a zillion grass blades rise. They feed everybody, our hunter eyes scan. Brown like soil, our fingers rustle sedges, waver barely visible in swamp water. Gentle motions of khaki catfish whiskers, called barbells, smell and taste in a single gesture, always hungry. Beautiful. Yeah. That, I love that idea that other animals can perceive things we cannot. Uh-huh. And so one of my, under, my, my you know, theorems is that, you know, like a dog can hear what we can't hear, you know, like, Pigeons and catfish can maybe they can see Bigfoot. You know uh-huh. they uh-huh. they have a a span of their uh, range that they can of their icons uh-huh. where things just are visible that we can are cannot see. Uh-huh. And another one like this is called eyes. Cats see blues, yellows. Light projects on a flat screen. Dahlia stars, saucer moon. The florist. Adds peace roses, goldenrods. He parses ferns, winter pine, silver dollar eucalyptus. Humans discern slow wave light, pomegranates, persimmons, ripe redness. A fourth circle of paradise is ultraviolets, opens to hummingbirds, cataract patients. Shadows move across peripheral twilight. A black and white lexicon, flicker, flit, freeze. Motion is the most intense hue. No lens can capture it. Yes. And hummingbirds, yes. And and just this idea that that the ultraviolets are visible to cataract patients. I guess that's something, some cataract patients. Uh Uh, hummingbirds, you know, some people are colorblind, so their world, what they see is very different from that cataract patient who Uh can see uh, beyond the three areas that uh, people see, humans usually see. And no way for us to know how something looks to you versus how it looks to me anyway. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And so that is one of, you know, there is a Tower of Babel where people speak different languages and misunderstandings arise. There's also a visual uh, difference in how we 
physically see person uh-huh. to person. Uh-huh. Ask my husband. <laughs> Who is an artist both of word and visual art. Yeah. So that's that yeah. is really yeah. yeah. So that, you know, those are some of the things I've been um just I'm just interested in the world is just so very interesting. Yes. And uh another theme in this book is ghosts. Uh, because I have lost so many people, and like I say, they're um, present in different ways. And I've kind of learned, it's sort of like dreams, you learn your different dreams. I also have learned kind of the different ways that people in my (coughs) past that are supposedly dead, Uh you know, are present in, in different visual ways, different uh, feelings. Uh, sometimes there's a smell. And um, this this is a poem that also is a very Lawrence-based poem, which is about the herd of six deer that were here a year or two ago, and they were all over town, and they had their routine, and you'd see them up on Avalon Road again, um, you people apparently they range down to that little creek that runs under 15th street over to Meadowlark apartments so they would range up and down that area but this happened one night white deer carascaro that pocket of night between midnight and dawn witching hour early for crepuscular deer Yet two reflect moonlight, profiled, rough-furred, almost tangible, tangible beyond window glass. They float closer to each other, symmetrical garden statues, halting time in this eerie tale, black nose to black nose, large-eared does, blocky, black-lit in a landscape shot. Unmoving, they turn smaller, repositioned downhill, Camouflage with others in junipers. Look, father's death mask glows in shadows. But no, it moves. A white deer, another. Albinos separating from night. Specters in a tableau as real as the dead among us. Yes. This is an amazing book. Well, I had a lot of fun writing this and learned a lot. And, uh-huh. and that's what I love about writing is is it, you learn as you write. You learn things you didn't know you knew before you started writing. Okay. <laughs> and, and I think it teaches you to stay humble in that way because uh-huh. you think, well, you know, each, each poem you invent anew and you have to stay receptive and open and a beginner, you know, so Zen people say you have to keep a beginner's mind. And, uh, you know, I don't have it all figured out, uh-huh. but I have a lot of interesting questions. Uh-huh. You know, so, As you talk about that concept of beginner's mind and beginner, I I jump also to your dear friend, Janetta. Yeah. Because when she talks about, and Janetta is the poet laureate of Oklahoma and this beautiful person, and she describes herself as a practicing poet. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when she says that, I think that she is 
active in the world, engaged in projects practicing, but uh-huh. now also I guess it sounds like she is practicing how to be a poet, which <laughs> is what we all do. I'm uh-huh. practicing how to be human and uh-huh. become more fully human. Uh-huh. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So this is the book that you are releasing into the world in a week from this broadcast time yes. with an event at Santa Fe. And then also you will be one of the readers for the Big Tent reading on Thursday, August 23rd here in Lawrence, right? Yes. At the Raven yes. Bookstore. Yes. So that will be a great chance for people who are in Santa Fe on Sunday the 12th or can be at Lawrence on Thursday the 23rd yes. to hear you, see you in person And as I will say again, to buy the book and get Denise to write your name in it. (laughs) Indeed. And and every book you buy supports Red Mountain Press. Uh, These are good people who have devoted um, 11 years of their lives to incredible labor. It's very labor intensive. They're putting out seven or eight books a year. Wow. And they're good books. Um. Yeah, they're beautiful books. Uh, Susan is a fabulous artist, and one of the ways she expresses her visual art talents is through the covers and the cover designs. So, So I was going to ask whose whose art is on the cover of Shadow Light. That is a photograph Susan took in an aquarium in Sarasota, Florida. Wonderful moat aquarium, specifically. And um, so I am very grateful to her for that and all the um, good works that she does. Yes. Um, you know, I I try to take her and Devin out to dinner when I go down to Santa Fe. It's a small gesture, but so many people, and having been a um, publisher myself all these years, one time, one of my new authors said, I'm going to fix you a great meal. And, you know, that was Janet Kratza. Uh-huh. And it was, oh, my gosh, it's memorable. And it was a great, you know, the, I really appreciated that gesture. And it yes. is one I also try to do with my publishers, which reminds me I, I owe... Therefore, Jason Ryberg. Uh, <laughs> yikes! You know, yes. it's hard to catch him. He yes. lives over in Missouri, and yes, it, you know, like the other problem with um, all of these, you know, we you know, do it yourself, print on demand, desktop publishing, uh-huh. is we can do so many things uh, remotely. Uh-huh. And I haven't seen him, and I don't know how long. But uh-huh. I appreciate the fact that he asked me. Um, a couple years ago, for if I had enough homes for his uh, press, Spartan Press, uh-huh. and he did, I did, and they are a set of poems that I kind of been putting on the shelf because they didn't fit. They were more narrative. They were more personal. Mm-hmm. Um, they were a little pissier. <laughs> You know, there's a few F-bombs in them, you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, they just, it's not that I'm really writing, you know, of course, people think of me, I'm writing about buffalo and coyotes out in the Flint Hills all the time, <laughs> which is a great 
topic. I don't mind that. Uh -huh. You know, that's something I adore. But I also have a another range, yes. and so these are um, a little more confessional, a little more. Awesome. This is what's happening. A little pushier. I I tell you what I think you should do, um, and and you know I I talked with you about how our my husband's and my lives have really changed since he has developed heart disease, and there's one reason he has developed heart disease, and that is because he smoked for forty years, um, even though he had quit. Eight years earlier, he the damage had been done, and uh, when he had open heart surgery, uh, they discovered that he he had had several heart attacks with you know veins that had kind of rerouted themselves, rerouted themselves. Uh, but if if you go through your partner having open heart surgery, um, you you it's gross. I mean, it's, it's an amazingly intense and painful thing to go through. They slid open the, your breastbone and take your heart out, put it on a table and offer and, and, you know, sew it, make little sutures and stitches. And, and then they put it back in and hope it fits. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know? So, um, in addition, he also had an uh, aortal aneurysm about two years after that, which is the big vein that leads from your heart down into the trunk of your body, into your legs. And that was hereditary in part. His grandfather um, had died of that. And he almost died then also. So, these are, these are not fun things. And if you wish to kill yourself here. There are several ways you can do it. This is smoking is one of the slower ways to do it. Uh, it took, uh, you know, 40 years, but if Tom had not smoked, he would be a lot healthier. Mm -hmm. And I had allergies. I just never smoked because it didn't, it just made me cough. And, and it's one of the, you know, I'm really healthy. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful just for that, you know, somewhat a choice, but also it was uh, not attractive to me. Mm -hmm. But let me write, you know, I tried to write about the experience of being in the waiting room for six hours while a man, you know, a team uh, of surgeons and, and health practitioners uh, cut my husband open. And this is called Open Heart. The surgeon scores the breastbone with a flat edge blade and cuts. The heart, a wild animal, accelerates until set free. Obsidian sharp steel slices bloody arteries, precise slits by a man who, another time, might be an Aztec cutting out a heart or a Viking turning a foe into a blood eagle. The unhearted body lies in a cold room for six hours. The gore is spotlit. Downward swipes of the knife do not reverse. In the next room, a woman knits a herringbone fate, stitch and pearl, as the surgeon pierces tiny sutures through a muscle knot. 
key loops, wire thread, cobbling, human skin and bone. Delicate coils secure tunnels before they course with blood and jitters of electricity. Orderlies wheel a sedated corpse down a long hall and set the brake. The surgeon packs his tools. The man lies unmoving for a day. When he finally speaks, he will tell nobody what he has seen. And I want to uh, send out appreciation to Linda Rodriguez, who sat with me, and Pam Dawes Tabernino, who sat with me in the uh, the waiting room as, uh, you know, my husband's life hung in balance. Yes. And um, another poem here is for my niece, um, who was a um, meth addict, and um, she was murdered. Uh. And that is another choice, that if you make that choice, your odds of dying increase exponentially. So there are many ways to harm yourself, and I, my, and the loss that people are left with are immeasurable. And so this is for her meth, a family story. After bullets leave dead, my niece and the drug dealer boyfriend, crows scream at her only brother. Hidden in palm trees, birds repeat alarms. He reads the papers, unidentified bodies found shot at Lake Elsinore. Across the Ortegas, their mother, my sister, waits. She knows this day is coming. Backpage news, boldface headlines, trickster voices loud in the trees. That night, dogs bark at sudden wind, fog persists. Brother turns the ignition, reverses out the driveway. By noon, he will tell their mother. Another death begins the moment she tips a fourth jigger of scotch. She lasts a year and some months. The killer gets a hard 20. Few remember her name, Lisa Francis. These black letters outline her corpse. That's very sad. Oh, it, it's, um, it, 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 you know, I, I, there, you can say platitudes, you can say, but, you know, um, <coughs> I, I come from some family background of addictive behaviors, and I have, I've wanted to live. I wanted to do better. I wanted to do better for my children and grandchildren and um, along the way I I have watched these losses and I grieve so that's part of being alive is yes. also uh, having loss yes part of love is loss yeah you know? and that's something that we need to keep in mind that yes that grief is painful but not having love in her life would be way more painful. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, one of the um, losses is for uh, a poet who was alcoholic and 
uh, 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 a well-informed, intelligent, uh, he knew uh, liquor like no one else I've ever known. Um, my husband, Tom, ran into him at the liquor store and said, at, at Ken Irby said to him, well, what are you looking for? And my husband said, well, maybe it might be nice to have a little tequila or gin or whatever it was. He said, oh, you need to go over to aisle five, <laughs> second shelf down on the left hand. And he, like a library, you know, he knew that the catalog of uh, liquor bottles, like as well as he knew the uh, how to get around a library. Uh -huh. And, uh, and and so I celebrate that he he loved his life. He he took great pleasure in it, and he was took good enough care of himself that he lived to be um, seventy. What five? You know, he died three years ago. Is seventy eight? Almost made it to seventy nine. Sort of like William Burroughs. Some people have incredible constitutions, <laughs> in spite of how they do. <laughs> So watermarks for Kenneth Lee Irby, 1936-2015, and he died July 30th. You no longer care for anything to eat except sweet brandy. A last bottle, yes, and I bought it, and I'm not sorry. You sip, slump sideways on the sofa, a bracket of spine tilting, fever red cheeks, the marionette lines barely holding you up. Long-sleeved denim shirt over skin so thin, blue veins shine, bones jut your collar. Like a fool, I bring Japanese fairy tales. My father's book, rich, slick, mildewy paper. Your overgrown thumbnail slits open pages. Through your hands tumble persimmons, red foxes, yellow lantern moons. A fool... Blood moon rises overhead in Leo, not Scorpio. The mud knot of your heart loosens its jagged dithyrams. For goodbye, I lay hands on your blanket swaddled chest. Feel it that swell unspindling. And what is the name of the book that you're reading this book from? This is a casino bestiary. Um, from Spartan Press, it's available at the Raven Bookstore and online. Um, small run, it's, uh, like I say, it'll be available as long as Spartan Press keeps it in print. Long live Spartan Press. Mm -hmm. um, they, they are publishing a book a month and have done this for three years. And uh, I appreciate what they are doing yes. and long live Spartan Press. Yes. So for people who don't know, Spartan Press is a Kansas City based yeah. small press. They started with the pop poetry series mm -hmm. in terms of those once a month with Jeanette Powers, who's a performance artist and poet, and Jason Reberg. And they they did this thing that nobody thought they could do, which was publish a new poet, a new book every month. And then this Midwest collection, I believe, is that what this one is from? Yes. Yeah. yeah, so Midwest Poets. And and I want to sort of make the connection for people. There is also the bookstore, right, Prospero's Bookstore, which Jason Reberg is part yes. of. And, and there is, out of this wonderful set of people who work so hard in this part of the contemporary poetry scene in Kansas City, 
couple years ago, they started this thing called the Kansas City Poetry Throwdown. Mm-hmm. And now this year, it's a bigger and even more exciting weekend, Fountainverse KC Small Press Poetry Fest, which is October 12th through 13th, excuse me, 14th, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so middle of October in Kansas City, Fountainverse, there's this website, there's Facebook page. And what this event is this year, they they have funding through Charlotte Street and some other hosts who I, I apologize, I don't know all that off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but Charlotte Street Foundation mm-hmm. gave a grant. And so oh, these small there are small presses from a variety of places across the country, and then also Epic Rights Press, um, which is the press of Wolfgang Karstens out of um, near Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. So, so there will be workshops about these and by these small press people who are also poets. There will be poets who are writers of those who are published in those small presses. Mm-hmm. There are all kinds of so much poetry in Kansas City, again, October 12th through 14th. And for those of us in Lawrence, little sneak preview of a little bit of that. On Thursday, October 11th, so the day before Fountainverse, we're doing um, a feature with three of the people from Epic Rights, which would be Wolfgang Karstens, uh-huh. who's coming from Canada, um, Rob Plath, who's coming from basically Long Island, New York, and Todd Cirillo, who's coming from New Orleans. Those three, plus Macy Webb, who's a Lawrence poet, uh, poet and Barry Barnes yes. is our fifth feature, right? We're doing this at the Lucia Beer Garden and Grill in, Beautiful. Uh, in Massachusetts, on Massachusetts Street in downtown Lawrence. More space. We were, we were going to be at Raven, but we decided to make mm-hmm. it a bigger. Mm-hmm. And so Raven will have a book table there. We're super excited. So uh, we want people, I mean, I want people to experience this whole it, who can go go to Kansas City that weekend for Fountainverse, uh-huh. and and if you can also you know come get that little taste of it on Thursday the 11th in downtown Lawrence because it's going to be really an amazing night, an amazing weekend. And thank you, Jason Prue, who's a Kansas City-based poet, is one of the founders or excuse me or lead organizers this year. Samantha Slupsky, who a lot of people will have heard her perform by now, she hosts some of the the nights at the Uptown Arts Bar, um, Jeanette Powers, and uh-huh. Brandon Whitehead. Brandon is this Ooh, awesome yeah, yeah. poet and host of this thing called Speakeasy and Robot Collector. These wonderful people, and it's you can for those who've done any kind of event, imagine doing an event three days with poets who, as we will say, that's like herding cats, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's- yeah, yeah, they have their hands more than full. Fountain verse, and and that's a you know kind of launching from the book that you're reading from right now. Okay, yes, I will put, get that on my calendar. Yes. And of course, Barry Barnes is one of our Mammoth Publications yes. authors. Yes, and I need to make sure we are stocked up yes. and um, go support him. Yes, that's wonderful. Yes, 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 yes. It's uh, wow. like I say, this collection is a little more political, uh-huh. and um, one of bef- this is a poem I wrote um, before the current president was elected, and I had no idea that he would um, champion and Andrew Jackson. Uh-huh. Um, 
you know, I learned some Cherokee, you know, I, I'm a terrible beginner, but I learned a little bit from Andy Gertie. And one of the things Andy told us is that he won't carry a $20 bill because of what Andrew Jackson did to uh, the, the five tribes, not just Cherokees. And this is a poem uh, that is inspired by that ongoing political gesture that uh, Andy performed uh, quietly, silently uh, most of the time. Andrew Jackson, I see you. I spindle wad and trade you for tens, but banks dispense more of your face, flaring hair, horsey face, sharp cheeks, arrogant look of moral rightness. I see an outlaw who betrayed creeks, double-crossed the Supreme Court, seized Cherokee farms and gold mines, and ordered many trails of tears. Today, your bills are common trash. Americans everywhere squash you, squat walleted butt cheeks over you, cram you into purses with tissue. Cell phones clang in your big ears. Bartenders spill whiskey up your nose. Sloppy eaters smear you with fries. Kids deface you with ink disguises. New Orleans nuns saved you for this afterlife of paper zombie confetti. Users roll you and snort dope. Still, Andy, this hell is far too good. Ah, yes. And this just came out in an anthology from New York Quarterly called Misrepresented People. Ah. And I was lucky to be in that uh, collection. And, and I was in Washington, D.C. and did a reading last month um, in support and celebration of that with uh, Celeste Dokes and Kyle Darkin. And it was uh, organized by Christian Teresi. I was just grateful to be part of that wonderful book. Uh, Dante Di Stafato is one of the um, editors. So... Uh -huh that I worked with. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's, like I said, these are a little more, um, and um, the, I, because my husband is enrolled Menominee, we're up on that reservation and we spend more time in casinos than you would think because the hotels are cheap and there's free drinks in the casinos, coffee, free coffee in the casinos. Uh, there are many positives, but we don't gamble. You know, I just don't gamble. Um, but um, they're an interesting and a very uh, artificial environment and very ironic to see uh, a, an ethnic group that is so close to nature yeah. then, you know, look at their new bestiary or bestiary, um, of course, gambling is a traditional native thing. So there are reasons for it, but it's still bizarre to walk through a casino. And this is called a casino bestiary. Wolverine triplets zing a match, but one zags away. Add dollars and shake hands with the chrome handles. Two yellow coyotes snarl and curl tails, spin again. A shaggy elk bull rises but stumbles downstream. Add quarters and hear silver waterfalls tinkle. 
three rabbits disappear and appear and disappear. Jaguar has a cameo role and departs grinning. Add dimes and hear Wheel of Fortune, ding, dong, ding. Three honking geese fly in a line, then falter. White-tailed deer leap one after another after another. Add buffalo nickels, buffalo nickels, buffalo nickels, buffalo nickels. Prairie dogs on the screen swivel. Watch them vanish. The casinos are, uh, that's just mind-boggling to me in terms of when I think, like you're saying, that the contradiction between, I, I, I guess the, the laws originally allowed them to be in water and on Indian reservations. Yes. And so in these nature places, this bizarre, totally artificial environment where once you step inside, you would have no idea if it's day or night. Right. And people who unfortunately lose the ability to control their choices or standing there. And, you know, it, it was, I've only been in a casino once when we were traveling because I'd never been in. I just wanted to see what it was. And my, my image had been like in movies where people are playing whatever games and they're right. actually look like they're kind of enjoying it's intense, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. you know, but then going into a real casino was like these people that were totally disconnected from anything other than whatever this machine or table was they were in front of. It was horrifying. It was scary. It, there, there's a wide range of kinds of gamblers uh -huh. like anything else. Mm -hmm. And some people it's great fun. Um, some people are addicted Yeah, and lose the farm. Yeah. Um, I will say that uh, all the federally re recognized tribes are sovereign and have the right to do what they wish on their land. They need to earn money for and their people. And they have, the, the, the casino money has made it possible for Native people to, um, in some instances, flourish and do very well. Uh -huh. And it's essential in, in the diversification of their income streams mm -hmm. to have this. Mm -hmm. um, but it it is not my choice. Right. And uh, in, so... So it's it's an odd, you know, it's unmasked how they want you to spend money. Yes. And I, I asked one of my nieces, we had some free play money, and um, I said to my niece, well, what's the best deal? And and she said, don't spend money, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> and I think that's probably the best odds is yeah. just don't do it. Yeah. And in my my brain, the sound of words. So there's there's a there's poetry to be written about gamble J M B L E and gamble J M B O L. Oh, I love lightness that. Lightness of oh you know, yeah, those two totally different things that when we're just hearing, we yeah. don't know which is being spoken. I I have some um, just plain nostalgia poems in this book. Um, and you know, uh, you know, for, Facebook is wonderful. I started making Facebook friends with my high school companions, classmates. I uh, and then I went to my reunion. I hadn't seen people in decades, and um, so it it was a lovely time to uh, it, it kind of meet your litter mates and just see what happens, <laughs> you know. You're all grown up now. Did that funny furry patch, <laughs> bear survive. patch, yeah, did There's you survive? That, yeah. 
And this is called fourth grade class photograph. Not a bouquet of gray roses, but floral faces in tiered rows, evenly spaced on folding chairs. Anita next to Linda Sue, alive here before leukemia, and Alan before Vietnam. Cynthia's calm eyes in eternal Madonna repose. We are clocks with years coiled to this set point. All of us stare, timekeepers of small dramas for an audience of doting parents lost in the expanse of decades. Our myriad grandchildren breathe outside this frame of shadows. Beside the risers looms Killer Keller, meanest teacher of all. No one knows her Christian name. Tight curls line a domed head. Her face clenches, no smile. She looks past the photographer to the place where I now stand. So that's, um, you know, like I say, there are the people you lose. Yeah. Uh, we lost a bunch in uh, Vietnam. And I appreciate my um, former classmate, Linda McCullough Wood, whose husband, Warren Wood, served in Vietnam. And she, as her her project, she publishes photographs of the men killed in Vietnam on her Facebook and does one once a week when she is able. Mm -hmm. And she did that, um, has been doing that steadily for a couple of years. And locally in Baldwin City, we have John Musgrave, yes. who's a Vietnam combat veteran, who is also a poet and has a lovely book can't quote the title at this moment, uh, but a book of some of his poetry that's to those people who who were part of that whole long, long war and the impact of it. And he also is somebody who has devoted his life to helping other veterans. Yes. And yes. in addition to all that, some people know of him now through the Ken Burns documentary right. because John became a major part of the story that Ken Burns really, I, I just saw John personifying a lot of what needed to be communicated in that documentary series. So John Musgrave is featured very prominently. And, and, and one of the lovely things that's happening as a result of that is that John and his wife, Shannon, are going to visit Vietnam oh, thanks to oh. a, an online fundraising so for the first time since he served there, wow. he will go back in October and be able to meet again some people on both, you know, the people that he was on opposite sides with, because that's part of what you hear him talk about is, yeah. is everybody was doing what they needed to do for their people. So yeah. it's it's not holding animosity. It's it's really expressing our love and appreciation to everybody there. So. So John Musgrave is a very special person in there. And you anticipate me because the next thing I want to read is about um, some of the contradictions I face in my own identity and my own family history, which is uh, identities of people who were uh, killing each other. Mm -hmm. And as military uh, heroes, they thought they were doing the right thing. And I'm working on a project uh, about the uh, Gnadenhuten massacre that 
was in 1787 in Ohio, where my um, Algonquian and mostly Delaware relatives were refugees. And uh, the Pennsylvania, um, Washington County militia across the state line wanted the land. And uh, they found an excuse to get a kind of little private military expedition together. And they went over and killed uh, men, women, and children who were pacifist Christian converts and who would not raise a hand against them. So this is called Before the Ganadin Hooten Massacre. From a border town in Pennsylvania, Washington, Wissamek King in Lenape, Catfish Camp. They begin start of a war journey. Destined killers saddle, pack provisions. Most come from Scotland borders. To them, Indians are Canaanites without souls. Over mountains, they reach Cross Creek. They follow West Virginia's waterways through the Panhandle. They are 200 men strong. Wheeling is Wheelink, place of the head, a settler's decapitated skull hung from a tree. Wheeling Creek joins the Ohio. They must swim. Springtime water is cold. Horses resist. They cut north through the Muskingum River, stopping near Gunadenhuten, set up camp. Small fires warm them and whiskey. They talk. Some stole the land already. Some are preachers. The river, swollen with snowmelt, rushes by. Perhaps on this last night, they share prayer. They are unremarkable men a few more hours. Come morning, they will begin the slaughter. So we have been talking. You have read generously from these two books, Shadow Light and the Casino Bestiary. And you have many more books, including, I just want to say to people, if you know, yes, Denise is a poet, but you also are a writer of other things. And Jackalope, of course, oh, is yes, one of my favorites. Yes. Uh, that, that's a, a step book that just popped up out of nowhere. I, I have no excuse for it whatsoever. It's lovely. But it was it's lots beautiful. of fun. Yeah. I, I have a uh, memoir. Um, a Turtle's Beating Heart uh, from University of Nebraska Press. One uh, Turtle's Beating Heart, One Family Story of Lenape, Delaware Indian Survival. And that has done really well. And of course, that's at the Raven also. I, I'm very grateful to that press. And uh -huh. I have another project in the work with works with them All right. um, on Northern, um, a Northern Cheyenne Ledger book. Uh, series that was made by a group of men who were incarcerated in Dodge City and then moved to Lawrence for trial uh -huh. in 1879. It's a fabulous story. And how about a shout out to Tom Wieso and his yes. memoir cookbook? Yes, Good Seeds, a yes. nominee food memoir. And he, that has also done really well and won awards. Um, it, I can't, the Gourmand Award, International Gourmand Award. He was a finalist. He won the national in his category. He's uh, had all sorts of great experiences with that. 
and it is available at the Raven. Um, and he's working on a second memoir, Lovely. and it's fascinating. I've been copy editing it, and ah, it is fascinating. That is so cool. I remember talking to you and Tom about Good Seed, and he was talking about different traditions, and, and he threw out this thing about Packer Sunday, and I'm like, well, what is that tradition? <laughs> and he looked at me like I was so silly. It's like, football. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, there there is this thing. People expect Native peoples to be these mystic, you know, all these traditions. And some of that is there, but they also live in this world. Right, right. And we live in this world. And uh, believe me, I can tell you, Tom has a lot of um, 21st century habits. All right. That's perfect. <laughs> So I guess we need to wrap it up. I, I want to leave people thinking about this was really interesting, cool. I want these books. And and we're throwing out three dates coming up really soon in different areas. So you're going to be in Santa Fe on Sunday, August 12th with the release of your new book. You're going to be in Lawrence, Kansas on Thursday, August 23rd at the Raven Bookstore with a set of readers. And again, you'll be promoting, letting people hear from this new book in particular. And then you're gonna be on September 11th, which I happen to know is a Tuesday in Algoma, Wisconsin at Yardstick yes. for this pop-up event with this lovely bookstore art space that's starting, just a kind of partially starting now, supposed to be fully operational, summer of 2019. Um, by the lovely Heidi Rock, who was here in Lawrence as the caretaker of the Raven Bookstore before she and Stefan moved to Wisconsin, near Door County. So all these cool things. So people get out, buy books, go to events, find out who people are reading, buy new things. You said once a month a new local right. poet. You said, hey, and tell our lo- wherever your local library is to buy poetry books, give them suggestions regularly. Check them out, too. Yes, yes. yes. So they see they're in circulation. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Marsha. You are welcome. And thanks to Daniel Smith, who does the production stuff, so we could just focus on talking and Denise reading all that beautiful poetry. So listeners, I know you enjoyed this. I do hope you get out and buy books, go to events, support local bookstores, you know. Buy things at readings when you can, which are often at local bookstores, not on online giants. Just saying. All righty. So long, folks.